Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The long long the long street getting them to, to, to play football the way that they're doing. Why would you want to go back to the start of that and start yeah. implementing your philosophy again? You've got to in a way think That's true. This is a value. I've got to keep this I'm getting close. That's true. That's a very good point. It's mad how quick it was as well. What? How quick Wagner did it. Like literally just yeah, rocked up, let's go away to Sweden. You're camping outside. <laughs> now we're gonna storm the championship. Levels alright. You can hear it. Where, yeah. where is Adam? Adam had an injury. No, no, he, had, he, had, he, had, he injured himself playing football. And um, oh, supposed to be what? playing football. Long time ago. Oh. He injured himself for football. For Street. Ball Street, yeah. yeah. And uh, he twisted his ankle. He's done his ACL many times, and uh, now he went. He had an operation on Friday. Ah, shit. And so he can't walk. Um, so James is. I mean, you bloody love football. Kristen, I do. You love football. We thought James loved football, but you bloody love football. Out of the people I know that bloody love football, you are at the top of that list. As, as my dad would say, if the Nagasaki Warriors were playing the Raggy Arse Rovers, you'd watch it. Yeah, <laughs> you would. Your dad is 100% spot and on. probably pick out a player that's going to go on to greatness. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd like to think so. How are you, Kristen Hennage? I'm not bad, yeah. How are you guys? Right. Yeah. Very well. This is nice. This is a very. It doesn't feel as formal as a lot of podcasts. You know what I mean? Is that what I mean? Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? Yeah. Very. Not just football though. Like all all sorts of mm. stuff. Um, well, what, what do you like? What creeps onto your top five? What, what what one are you are you waiting for it to be updated? And you know sometimes you're traveling, it's not there, and you're like, oh fucking, I really want to listen to that. Well, what's up there? Which one? Which long, long ball streets? Well, uh, that that's there. Standard. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, yeah, there's, there's a politics one. This I think it's called "In God We Trust" or something. It's, it's got some clever name. Mm. Um, the <laughs> Morning Joe Show. That's an MSNBC. Right. Pod. Okay. So pretty political at the minute. Just trying. Yeah. To, pretty political. Yeah. Just trying to. Gonna go into a new. You know, start changing the world. You change the world of football. MP. <laughs> now you're gonna. No, I'm. No, I don't think I've got the the skin for that. How do you guys know each other? Um, Lawrence, I think, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. No, I, thought, I think it was Lawrence. Actually, I think it was. Um, 
Stu somehow got to know you. Was I not I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar? <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw you. <laughs> I, 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 the first time I met you was, I think, did you come down for Bicker and Ball Street? You know, we did the light, the Transfer Deadline Day show with Wright E and The Beast and Hall and Marcus. Yes, but the first time I remember working with you guys was you did a hangout, Google the hangout. Google hangout. That's right, yeah. When I had a lovely Donny Osmond esque type mop and I was Yeah. Yeah. In, nice. in Lawrence's old house actually. Right, okay. Nice. So, so maybe it was then through Lawrence and Marcus as did you, did you I didn't know them? Marcus at that point, no. Right, okay. Marcus came came after that. So it was through the beginning of Bull Street. It was yes through did the, some work with UEFA and Bull Street, is alright? Well we did a um we did a Google Hangout uh, from Google HQ. We went down righty and that. It was yeah. in the really early days. And and you were on and Marcus mm. was on. And then off the back of that, and, and so Stu, um, Stu, who, like I would never sit here and say they're a good journalist because I don't think I'm qualified to say it. I don't really read much. But Stu was a big fan of your of your work. Stu, for anyone watching, is like the uh, my mate. The lesser scene. The lesser scene. Because yeah. um, of the beard, yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and, and he was a huge fan of yours. And then we ended up doing the four five one show. I don't know if anybody here watching this would actually remember that. Probably show. not. Probably not. But it'd be nice if they that did. That was a heady six weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, and and you came down and um, and then you stayed we at my together. house. He stayed at my house. We lived together right. for a little bit. Yeah. As mad as that sounds, Scrappy loved him. What's going on? Oh, Kathy, we're not started yet. Uh, just come in. Just come in and sit down for a bit. It's fine. Calf, just, just come on. Calf, no, no. Cheers, Calf. <laughs> Cheers, Kathy. There she is. The lesson, the lesson spotted Kathy yeah. as well. For a media agency, no one wants to go in front of camera. It's getting big. Um, Kristen. YouTube comments are to blame for that, I think. Yeah. yeah. Go on, get out. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, they will find any insecurity you have. Kristen. Yes. Tell us a bit about your you then, like because one of the most fascinating. You, you write about. I actually looked on. I googled you. I'm not. I didn't know, but I was just interested in what you done. It's just I couldn't get to the end of all the Google pages for all the articles that you've written about football. Hmm. Um, but let and we can talk about that. But the most interesting thing I think about you is the fact that you lived in America to scout footballers for Seattle Sounders. Hmm. How did that come about? I mean, everybody when playing as championship manager or football manager wants yeah. to be a scout <laughs> someday. It's just, there's nothing greater when playing that game to find a player and make him great and that no one else has heard about it. And you kind of did it for real. It was, so I was, I was quite lucky. I knew the assistant coach, um, a chap by the name of Kurt Schmidt. We just happened to follow each other on Twitter. Mm. And I DM'd him and said, look, there's five players in what is the second tier in America that I think could make a difference on your team right now. Like to varying levels, obviously. Some would start, some would be on the bench, etc., etc. And so he let me pitch those five guys. And people very rarely acknowledge this kind of stuff when they tell these kind of stories. I got very lucky that one of those guys, a chap by the name of Miguel Ibarra, got picked for the US not long after. Right. So you know when Jay Bothroy got picked for England and he yeah. was at Cardiff? It was a similar sort of thing. Like the, If the US picks players from its domestic leagues... It's very rarely, if ever, NASL. It's usually exclusively MLS. Right. So the fact that he got picked, it was like, oh, he must be decent. So what is the what's the other one? SLA. Uh, uh, and, and NASL. Was, so this is the for people that don't know, i.e., me. <laughs> what's is that? Because they're not divisions. There's no divisions in. It is and it isn't. It's it's such a weird state of affairs. MLS is top. Yeah. NASL and then, if my memory serves, USL Pro is now 
they both kind of share Division Two status, but there's no link between it. You can't. So, so, so these are separate organisations, much like yes. you'd have the UFC and Bellator and Cage Warriors as organisations within That's... the sport of MMA. Right. So they're separate organisations which um, have not got the same power and the same books as the as so, the as the MLS. And they sell their own rights and have their own commercial deals in the yes. same way. Essentially, yeah. yeah. So I'm guessing that's North American Soccer League, right? It is. Yes, yeah. the the very same one from the seventies that had Pele and Beckenbauer. Mm. Wow. It, it folded because it just spent in a, a very haphazard way, and then came back in two thousand nine, I think. Yeah. And sort of try. I think it tried to feed a little bit on nostalgia. Right. I know someone who works for the owner of one of those football clubs, Miami. FC. Ah, okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, he actually wants to come on the bullshit. He wants to come on this pod. Get him on. Yeah. Yeah, all right. What does he talk about now? Like, I, I, I know I've, someone that... I've got to nail that bit down. Yeah, right, okay. But yeah, is he, he, he works for the owner okay. of Miami FC and, and the Miami FC is, is putting... Is it Miami FC? Am I getting it right? There is Miami FC. Is it the one coached by Nesta? Yes. Yes, okay. So yes, yeah, it is. That's Nesta the NSL one. The, the, the Nesta football. was fucking amazing. He was the nuts. He was and beautiful. Yeah, yeah. clean shots defender is this a? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Always on his feet, didn't have to. Yeah, never touched the ground. So you you had a punt. Yeah, that's, you, that's... so you fa- how did you find these five players? Chapman, please tell me it was Chapman. Was it? <laughs> you know, I've used it before. I've, def- I've definitely you've used got it. him, haven't you? It's like the the amount of uh, infrastructure behind their research and. It's, it's a great database. The beauty, I think, of scouting is there are so many potential tools you can use. Really, there is not one, I think at least, settled school of thought on how to do it. Right, okay. So there are some people I've spoken to who will only use their eyes. Right. They'll go and watch and they'll say, Matt Wilson's got a good touch, he's got this, he's got that. It's true. Et cetera, right. et cetera. There are other people who will use analytics and say, well, he had this many touches in the opposition box, so yeah. that makes him a good... Some will use a combination of, of a lot of different ones. I, I varied it depending usually on the situation. So I, I even use journalistic tools. I would ring up people for character references. Right, is, he, okay. is he a good guy? Is he a teammate? Yeah. Can he take instruction? Is he going to throw a strop if, if he has to do more defending than he does right. here? Just little things like that. So Because you're trying to build... It's a little bit like matchmaking. You've got to try and build a, a fairly detailed collage of not just a person's career but what they're like to be at the club. Because yeah. there's so many players you can probably think of your own clubs who rocked up and within a few weeks the local newspaper or, or fans were saying he's a bad influence in the squad. Yeah. I'm here and he's an absolute yeah. nightmare to be around. It's like the, uh, I guess, in, in, in the NFL draft. So they have the there's the stats that they've done at college and the game tape for that. Mm. Then they have a thing called a combine whereby they're measuring things like their speed, their cone drills, their vertical jumps and, and, and various things like that to get their... Um, to get the stats around their physical uh, attributes. But then, as well, what they will do is when they're going to be drafting someone, they'll try and get interviews with them. They'll try and sp- they'll, they'll go to great depths yeah. to fill in the character bits because um, footballs it's, it's chemical. It's like anything. It's mm. the, the chemical components that exist within a, within a team. So yeah. there might be certain things that you need to have a bit more of or a bit less of. So what they'll do, they'll go and speak to the kit man from the college uh, they'll speak to people that played in the team, that people that worked at the diners where the kids used to go and stuff like that. Yeah, and and, and and that's where I think they, a lot of American sports are far superior yeah. in terms of the way that they look at it. Um, whereas football's always seemed a little bit like when they choose managers, a bit jobs for the boys. It's like, well, he used to play. I know him from you know. Let, let's give him a chance to be a manager. When actually, are they really qualified? Are they, are they clever enough? Yeah, yeah. I, I think 
I think in, in that aspect, you've got to give yourself as many opportunities for success. You've got to say, well, is he a good fit for what we want to do? Mm. Equally, is he a good fit for our manager? Is our manager the kind of person who's going to put his arm around him if he gets... And does he need that? It's yeah. Like I say, it is very much about matchmaking because I'm sure it's the same in business. You, if When you hire someone, you interview them for that very reason. You ask them, what's your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Yeah. If you ask that to a player, it's hard to get it that level of introspection from a personality standpoint. Yeah. So that's where you have to maybe talk to teammates, you have to talk to coaches and just kind of work out little things like that. There's player, there was a player I suggested who physically was perfect, um, was very similar to Yaya Toure in so much as could just burst past guys. Mm. He came in on trial and unfortunately he just couldn't grasp the tactical side of things. He couldn't right. take instruction on, right. so they passed on him. It's it's things like that. Yeah. That's that's the other issue I think as well is you can't be too sensitive because you can think you've got the next best thing, but if he doesn't tick the boxes for your, your higher mm. ups, it's not going to go through. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's always it's always fascinating how a player can play at a club and they can be amazing, right? They can do really well, and then you take that player out, you bring him to your team, and you can ask this next set of supporters that have then. After 10 games, they're going, this guy's the worst player that's ever played yeah. for us. He's terrible. Mm. And then he can go on somewhere else and be a success again. So there's no such thing as a sure thing, isn't there? But I, but I think that, that the important bit is the feel for the for the, the chemical, the psychology, the mix, like you say, the mm. matchmaking. I think that that's, that's vital, really. Yeah. So, so how have you been... Because from where I'm standing, I'm looking at what you're saying. I'm thinking this feels quite. How much has America influenced you in in this kind of perspective that you have? And 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 are there a lot of people like you in England that is looking at it this way, or do you think, hang on a minute, I'm fucking onto this, and everyone's still looking at the old stuff, you know? No, I, th- I think I think England is is slowly changing. I look at someone like Ted Knutson, who's who's American and works here. I think he brings a lot of good ideas with him, not just analytics. But I'm talking about general overview stuff. I think it's difficult to truly compare the two because I haven't been fortunate enough to work very exclusively with English clubs, so I can't tell you. Right. And, and the other thing as well is everyone is different. Every coach is different. I remember being asked once, you know, are coaches using analytics? I would have to survey every single one because mm. for every coach that you allude to being of the older practices and just using their eyes, there are one or two who will say, no, I want to see numbers, I want to see how many key passes does he register, how many assists yeah. you know, per 90 minutes, that kind of stuff. It's ev- Everyone is different and unique in their own special way. Yeah. And I'm got- hoping that's the lesson we can take from today. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Uh, um, <laughs> I think the people... There's, there's, there's some happy, happy medium in it all. Because I can't, I can't listen to... And there's no offence to Statman Dave, but I can't listen to, to who? Statman Dave... Oh. I can't listen to people talk in an analytical way about football for too long. Mm. I can't. I, it, it, I couldn't do a whole podcast of it. I just, it's fascinating talking to some people who, who do approach the game that way, and, and it's you know. But but for me and my understanding of football and the way I absorb it, that very cold way of looking, how many key passes, how many things, you know, is. Would you say you're a more an emotional viewer? Then you yeah. would rather talk about the feeling of the moment rather than what actually happened. Yes. If that makes sense, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. He's all that, and he's got his hands down his trousers while he's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant now. I was like, really could happen. Yeah, yeah. That could happen. Not a problem. Um, only problem sense. if you make it one, Matt. All right, sorry, mate. <laughs> I mean, that's in fairness. Like I said, I've done 
journalism of that ilk as well. Like, mm. I, I very rarely, there's not many even I can think of, tactical pieces I've done that were like mm. this type of stuff Heavy, that yeah. Dave does. Yeah, that is it's a lot more emotional, kind of. This is the person. I remember there was a kid in the US who he came from Colombia. His mother lived on the front line of a drug war. Wow. So she would he would ring home to speak to his mum and he'd do gunshots over the phone. And he, he used to sleep in, you know, like a six-a-side... You know when they've got lots of six-a-side pitches? Yeah. Those little... I don't want to name a company for free advertising, but, you know, yeah. that kind of place. He would sleep in there so he could train all day. He eventually got drafted, and he's telling me this entire story. And he said, I got drafted quite late, and I remember crying. And I'm genuinely on the end of the phone going... And then what happens? <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely emotional, yeah, this guy, yeah, because he's right. taken me on this massive journey. And that's why I love football, because yeah. it can take someone like him who's got nothing and give him so much. Okay, what happened? He got drafted into MLS. Unfortunately, it takes a little bit of a, no. a steep oh, turn for him because he, he developed uh, alcohol problems. Oh, and yeah. the, the positive, I think the ultimate positive is that led him to take stock of his life, admit that he'd had um, some personal problems with sexual abuse as a youngster, got himself back together, is now back on the second team of the club that he joined from the Combine, and is really getting his life back together. But he is genuinely one of the nicest guys I've ever right. met. What a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, is that story out there? You've rewritten it? Not recently. Um, but again, it, it's that kind of story. It's The difficulty is... I go into these people's lives and I say, open up to me. Mm. I know we've just met, but open up to me. Mm. And that can be really difficult. Yeah. Because... Who are you? That's the thing. You can ask them questions. I know that there was one player in particular, I remember interviewing him, and he didn't want to open up at all. Did not want to. Mm. And just shut it down to the point where he's like, look, are we done yet? And I was like, okay, no problem. You have, yeah, in that sense, you have to respect people's what, boundaries. Of course, but what, what are you asking? Just... He actually recently, much like yourself, he just had a child, and I said, "How has fatherhood changed you? And how has marriage changed you?" And he said, "Are you a father or a, uh, a husband?" And I said, "I'm not." He said, "Well, I can't really explain it then," which was a good cop out in a lot of ways yeah. because it meant he didn't really have mm. to to go deep in. But what did you want? Why did you want? What did you want to find out, and why? I wanted to ask him that specifically because he was a young guy, quite a confident guy, yeah. seemed very much without wishing to to. Uh, besmirch him focused on the outer yeah. and I was curious whether that had changed him internally because I know yeah. you've talked that it's, it's shifted you and it's it's the idea of you know you want to get to know because the, the last funny enough the last two questions I ask almost exclusively every interview is can you tell me your first football memory ever like not at a pro level I'm talking like yeah. when you were a kid playing yeah. for your Sunday league team yeah. and can you tell me something about yourself that's never come up in an interview before and sometimes it yields amazing stories. Yeah. Other times... That's tough, it's, though. It's a tough question. It is. Well, why do you need to know this stuff? Because sometimes that's your lead. So, for, for example, I'll give you an example. Kyle Larin, striker for Orlando City, he, we did the interview and all that, and it was all fairly good, bog-standard stuff. And then I asked him to tell me, and he said, the first trial I ever did were in basketball shoes, big high tops. And he said, from there, I got on a team and all this kind of thing. And that was the lead. That he started from like basketball shoes, and now he's a, got his own potential Oops. boot deals and all this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, from from humble surroundings and all that yeah. kind of stuff. It, like I said, it, it often depends how confident the person is 
in telling the whole story because yes. it's it's very yeah, sorry but, uh, but what, how does this help him become a better footballer or how did that help you scout him and, and then what oh, do you I'm do talking purely from a journalistic standpoint right right when I'm sitting there thinking you're going around to players scouting them asking them to <laughs> I'm talking <laughs> right right I'm in yeah. terms of actually speaking to players directly I never really do that yeah. there's no do benefit you, when, when someone's being scouted are they aware that they're being scouted and how um, look, you say you go, about, go, <laughs> go you go into finding personal information so schoolmates and there's like there's this geezer like just turned up asking loads of questions about I don't know who he is. Falling out for a throw in. Went to pick it up. There's a guy in my ear. <laughs> Excuse me, mate. Agents will usually find out. Yeah. They'll be self-aware mm. enough to know whether an, uh, a scout is in attendance. The thing is, they publish who's attending every game anyway. Yeah. So you know, you don't know who they're watching necessarily, but you know if they're in attendance, and usually you can piece two and two together. How long was you scouting in 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 the US or? Uh, I worked with Seattle for just under two years. Yeah, about just under two years. And how many players would you say you scouted for them in that time? Oh, wow. Uh, I would say a lot more than 50, probably less than 150. Is that a good rate for a scout? Um, so when you say these are players you scout for, these are players that you went back and went yes on, no on or, or these are players that you recommended to a, them? A little bit because the, the remit was it wasn't necessarily... It, it evolved over time. So in the latter stage of my time with them, they would say, we're looking at Flav, we're looking at Matt, what can you tell us about them? Because there was a few who were European-based, so I right. could reach out and, and do that kind of thing. In other instances, they would say, we want a right-back. We right. want, And then I would say, okay, well, what kind of right-back? There's a lot of different types of, yeah. of right-back. Just on Chapman now. <laughs> yeah. What do you want? Do you want fast? Um, yeah. okay. Pace, 18. Yeah. Danny Alva. i give him a try. Yeah. He's on a free He's on a in 2019. Free, yeah. um, but they would sit at a position, and then I would have to go and try and find uh, a player that met that criteria. How would that process start? Would it, would it be maybe uh, using a, st- a statistical package or... Would, how would you what would you first say I need so Kristen I need a centre, an attacking midfielder hmm. a number 10 player um, go and get me one so what I would do personally at the time any time I would watch a game if there was someone I thought had potential for the league I would write them down and then it would be a case of you know a bit like your parents used to keep a phone book when we were little like plumbers and electricians and yeah. be a similar like, attacking yeah, midfielders yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of similar kind of yeah. and then they would be separated by age and all that so oh, I tried okay. to stay as organised as possible because I, I didn't personally have access to detailed analytics um, I was a one man band in that sense did you have any mentors helping you? no it's very much learning so it's just you thinking I, this is the correct way to organise and approach the, the problem slash the challenge I've, I've been fortunate I've been able to ch- I mentioned Ted Knutson there he's been kind enough to give me a little bit of advice just on the industry as a whole and how to progress mm. but actually doing it there was little bits honestly there's things you pick up even talking to people I did a, a piece with Marcus Rashford's youth coach uh, about two months ago I think it was on the anniversary of his debut for Man United and in talking to him I said, you know, how on earth do you find Marcus Rashford at nine? Because it's just a massive group of kids. And he said, well, if they look like a footballer at a young age, that's usually a good sign. Mm. If they carry themselves mm. like a footballer. You know, you know when, in, when how someone walks, whether they can play football, generally? Which is why Colin Connor, who we signed from <laughs> Union Berlin, we signed him within Pick one touch, you're just like, what the fuck is this guy doing on the field? Pick he's never been a footballer. He he's not a footballer. 
just because he runs like so awkward. That's fascinating. So, yeah, let's come back to that though, because I want to know how Huddersfield ended up, what might have happened to get in there. But what would you? What were we talking so, about? So, so I spoke to the youth coach, and he said if he carries himself like a footballer. Yeah. And then I want to say maybe two, three days later, I went to watch Spurs in the Youth Cup, and I was just watching the players warm up. And there's you'll probably know him, Keenan Bennett's. No idea who he is. I was watching him warm up, and I was like. He, it's that same thing it's like oh, he does really look like a footballer and about two aren't, minutes aren't in all footballers, but, but do you know what I mean he carries himself like a first team player right gotcha. he, if you put him in a Premier League game mm. you wouldn't think he's got a terrible touch yeah. you wouldn't think he's a kid that's mm. the, probably the best way to, to explain it and literally within two minutes of the game starting he does two step overs cuts inside and bangs it into the top corner and you, that's where you think okay there's clearly something in that so What's that's a name? lesson Keenan Bennett, I believe his name. Right, is. do you know I do the Spurs podcast? Yeah, Ke- K. I'm pretend e- I know who this kid is. Keenan Bennett. N E N. I'm pretend. I've not seen his kid. Keenan Bennett. Yeah, he's very. He's. You know Marcus Edwards. Yeah. Similar sort of model to that, like very small, low centre of gravity. Was Pochettino right to say he is the next Messi? I mean, he may not have said that, but he said he said he plays football like him. The, the difficulty is the, there's probably more nuance in Pochettino's statement than the headline right is allowed for there. Yeah, so you can say he's messy-like. It doesn't mean he's going to be... Messy-esque. Yeah, you know, there's certain similarities. I'm sure you've all watched players and thought he plays just like X or yeah. Y or... Yeah, that's why the new Messi or the new Ronaldo... Yeah, it's it's when you draw... I mean, Argentina's had a massive problem with that. Yeah. Like every... You go back to Andres de Alessandro and all this, any decent prospect yeah. they've had, you messy. Because he can carry a ball, it yeah. it doesn't allow for all of the, the things. Or well, can he finish? Is he dedicated? These yeah. kind of it's it is it's a massive collusion of different. What was that player you said? Huddersfield player. I don't need to talk about him. I mean, I, I just I'm an just... example of someone that you can tell, can't you? By the way that someone moves sometimes, the way that their touches. He's an awkward player game. to watch. God, it's fucking horrible to watch. How yeah. did he get to? How did he get scouted though? How does a player who's not right for a book club yeah. end up? How did that? How did that guy end up in Huddersfield? Do you think? Is it agents, is it money, or is it a scout going, no, seeing something? I, I would imagine, based on what I've seen of him, he's a big physical guy, target man-esque. Can't edit, won't edit. Can't head, won't head. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon uh, Wagner looked at him and thought, I need that type of player. Because the yeah. thing you've got to remember is he came in with no real chance to, to prepare. He had that six months before to keep them up. And then he got the likes of Casey Palmer in. You're never really sure how someone like that's going to pan out. Mm. So if you can get a cheap contingency and you know what Kwan is going to do because he's been playing for years, I'm not terribly adverse to that strategy. By the same breath, I know we've talked a lot about Musa Soko. I look at that situation and I see um, a, a coach who knew exactly what he wanted, which was a player who'd run in behind and assumed a fairly fleet-footed or quick winger in Musa Soko could do that without actually checking if he does that. No way. Yeah. That's Not on £30 million. Pound. Yeah, it's £30 million. I think it's, you it's can do lot. that. I've seen it before. Do you reckon? He creates chaos. He does, yeah, massively. I mean, that's his thing, creates chaos on the football pitch. No one knows what's going to happen when he comes on. Go on. Get on there. Yeah. Create some chaos. Lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Madness. It's, it, the thing is, though, you, you've talked about Sterling and using him in different systems mm. There's, there was probably a part of Pochettino that thought you know what I can, he's got the physical qualities that I need a player he can run in this yeah. this distance and this time 
I can teach him, I can train him to do what I want him to do. Mm. But again, didn't really check. And for thirty million, yeah, that's a that's a pretty egregious mistake. But I think it's unfair to pin it on him because there was probably a, a committee that put that decision together. And he had a good good uh, yeah, international good tournament, Euros. yeah, Euros. Um, Oliver Burke. Yeah. Right. So they bought it. Is in that the kid from Forest? Yes. That went to Leipzig. Leipzig. Yeah. Fucking hell, mate. It, so it was, it was early. When did he go? Because he started the season in uh, the championship. Forest, yeah. He scored a few goals, which were very reminiscent of Bale. Ball over the top, moving at sheer pace, taking it in stride, whilst mm. cutting inside a couple of defenders, and then having the strength, the composure to finish. And I remember seeing him. Maybe it's on like the first month of the season or mm. something like that. And I was like, "He's a fucking world beater." You can see it now. Is what's he doing? Because obviously he went to Leipzig, and I just, I'm not going to see him out there, am I? Because the manager said that he was like, he's got all the talent, but he's like a blank book. We have to teach him how to play football. Yeah, I, th- I think he said he's, he's like a, an unprogrammed computer or something, and we have to give him the software, I think was the analogy. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty decent yeah. analogy, to yeah, be fair. I like that. It's not like, God, he's got a virus. He's, shit. <laughs> he's got a virus. <laughs> he is thick. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> right German, though. Yeah. <laughs> Translates wonderfully. But, um, you know, but, but, but Bale was a... Um, he takes times for people yeah. to to grow yeah. you know like it's just like what do you know at 19 years old you know in, in life in anything really mm. it's some I think are amazing when they're young um, and maybe get look worse when they're older because it's all about the physical side of it mm. for them mm. but if you can get in the right place and they can kind of grow you as a player and that and physically you're, you're able to avoid injuries and, and look after yourself and kind of stay fit then I think you've got a real chance but I guess that with someone like him um, like Bale at first all that physical attributes but he was playing left back man he was playing left back yeah. for ages Yeah, and and it's and only kind of as he went on that they started to kind of play him really for him and, and look at what he's become you know? Redknapp nearly sold him if I remember correctly so for, so he was going on loan yeah. um, so he was a left back <laughs> Gareth Bale was a, um, a left back but he couldn't get in the team and Benoit Sukoto got injured and the loan to Nottingham Forest was cancelled I right. think this is right it was either that or a three million pound deal was in mm. place. Something crazy. It was, was going to be sold, yeah. And then he came into the team and he just flew. He would get the ball and just meet, get from the left back, get, make the byline nine times out of ten. But the thing is with that, the, there's a saying I think is very true to football. Success has a thousand fathers. Failure is an orphan. And what I mean by that is someone like Harry Redknapp will rarely, if ever, say, yeah, I nearly sold Gareth Bale for three million. Mm. But he'll definitely tell you about the, the punt for 100,000 that turned out to be great. Yeah. Because I think there's a bit of a culture in that in football. You only mm. talk about your successes. It's like that in life, though, mate, not just in yeah. football. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Do you want to talk about that? That's, no, I sense an emotional no, moment. No, no, it, it is. I mean, yeah, that, that's, a, uh, that's not just a football cult, is what I yeah. mean. Yeah. It? No, it's yes. It's true, true in anything. It's like when, like it's in business, isn't it? You, you, yeah. When something goes wrong, everyone's like, well, fucking, I tell you what, I told him. Yeah. I told him but when something's gone right people are like yeah I think that was me <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I said the first email on that you know yeah, yeah. that's what people are like I went, well, I went around claiming responsibility for a good idea that wasn't mine but I convinced myself that it was mine what was the idea? Um, Uber do you know what it was actually? <laughs> it was used it was this, is, this won't mean anything <laughs> sorry I didn't even hear what you said uh, it would have been Tony it, would, it was just getting Tony D to come and do the forfeit for Mondo Gold that we did last year so it doesn't mean idea. anything to anything no it wasn't it was Juice it was Tony and I was going yeah it was a wicked idea and I had convinced myself it was mine and then I remember the conversation we had in the pub Steve was going like, stop telling anybody <laughs> we had that, that conversation I was like 
Fuck yeah, dude. Sorry. <laughs> Who is Tony D? He sounds intense. He's, uh, he's like a battle MC. Spurs. Oh, the rapper. one with Robbie where he did the and they they battled each other. That's yeah. right. Yeah. He said like the whitest northern man in the world. They battled each other. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say in the hippity hoppity group stuff. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we've got some questions um, from the audience. You've seen yes. this section of the show. and Regular listener, first time caller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you, before we do that, you, you said to Matt at the beginning of the yeah, season... That's, do you know what I was going to do? I was going to find the, uh, the text from it, because obviously we're in the playoffs, as you know, and we played Newcastle, because... For everyone that doesn't know, Kristen's yeah. a, a Newcastle fan. That's your team, Newcastle. isn't it? Are you happy about the promotion? Yeah, definitely. It was lo- lovely to see it in the way they did. So, it was just... tell me about like Benitez at the moment, because like it seems like everything was rosy, and, and and now it's not so much. There seems to be some grumblings, and and that uh... he had to confirm that he will be at Newcastle next season. And the the thing is, the managers that came before him under Ashley, mm. let's, let's say after Hewton. Uh, you can include Hewton to a degree Hewton didn't have much power because he was Chris Hewton his first proper job it could have just been yeah. a broken clock being right twice a day the men after him Pardew I'd say maybe Carver McLaren they were all very much yes men they were so appreciative of the opportunity yeah. to get back into football at a decent level they didn't have the the gumption to say no I'm not doing that I'm not you know, operating with those budgets yeah. Benitez has the sway to say, look, either we do it my way or we don't do it. Yeah. And he's done that all the way through his career. Yeah. And the thing that I think probably just tipped him over the edge was the way they won the title in the 89th minute. It's one thing to get promoted. Yeah. And I saw a lot of players and spoke to them, and before they were all like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm happy to go up. There was only really Paul Dummett that said, no, if we don't win the title, it's a failure. Yeah. And so the way they won it in the 89th minute, the whole stadium erupts and all this kind of thing. I even wrote as much. You can't give him a penny less than he wants now. Because if you do, then the fans will massively turn. You thought it was bad mm. before, get even worse now. Because you've got a manager that wants to stay, wants to build something, and won't need a multitude of staff around him to do it. He's happy to, to spend 16, 17 hours a day building stuff because he, he's just that way inclined. It, do you think... Um, do you think Ashley needs to be given some credit now? I know he's not likeable... I know he, he, Newcastle fans hate him. And I know he's oversaw two relegations. Yeah, two relegations. But, you know, he's done what is quite difficult in getting you back up. Mm. It's not a guarantee. You saw that with Villa, big club, Leeds have just disappeared. Yeah. Is there only one around Newcastle game? They've got a fucking pretty good squad, though, and a pretty decent budget. You, you think know, if they that, didn't go up, well, that would be a joke? Nah, well, in a way, but it's tough because Villa have done that, really. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I look at the Newcastle situation. In fact, fuck it, you answer that, sorry, about Mike Ashley first. It's, it's very easy to waste money, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, I, I think the thing with Newcastle is they've had two owners in, in my lifetime, well, actually three, Freddie Shepard and, and now Mike Ashley, <laughs> That's who, who are the polar opposites <laughs> of each other. Yeah. There, there mm. was a story many years ago of Freddie Shepard spending the sponsorship money for the next season during the current season. And signing off all sorts of things. Mike Ashley, I think, fixed a lot of the problems that Shepard started. Mm. He made cost-cutting more, but he took it too far the other way. And to the point where even the pitch was, you know, the players that were on the pitch, it was a cost-cutting exercise. Like, how can we sign this guy for five and sell him for 15? Mm. Ah, but then you have to replace him with a 15 million calibre player but how do you find the next five million pound right, player? Right. It's just, it was too risky. And there was, uh, I think Derek Lambias was his name. 
he likened it to uh, a casino with the different coloured chips. Right. And he said, we can only have so many purple chip players, i.e. like big first team players. And I just think that's a really nasty way to look at building a squad. Mm. Because the best squads is where everyone's together and fight. You look at Chelsea, you've just won the league. I don't think there's 11 purple chip players in there and there's just a few stragglers. They all think they're pushing towards the same thing. Mm. And when you start to separate and quantify players by, well, he is this calibre and he is this calibre, I think you instantly start to divide. Can I ask what coloured chip Musa Sosoko was? Do you think? I think he was the joker in the deck of cards. Mm. Um, Go ahead. In, in saying that, though, I feel bad. I don't want to pile it on him because I think in the right system he would work. I don't think that system is Spurs, unfortunately. You need to break teams down. He doesn't really break he teams down. He can run through players, literally. On, on the counter-attack, he's amazing yeah. because he can just cover the ground. Yeah, That's the problem. Maybe they with, with the Spurs and him thing, they, they didn't anticipate that you'd get to the level that you've actually got to as consistently because mm. from what I see of Spurs, no matter who you're playing... You you keep the ball. You 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 force your identity on them, mm. and it's kind of like I've seen with with Wagner and with Liverpool. They've kind of got one way that, of playing that's successful to a point, mm. but you need to have a two or three different ways of playing so you can shift it up. And in order to do that, a lot of times you might need to have some different elements in the squad and some different players yeah. that do different jobs. Yeah. And maybe actually it's all happened quicker than Pochettino thought. Because when I look at you guys playing and I don't watch loads of Premier Premier League ball but the little bits that I do watch and see it seems like you are consistently number you've kind of broken that barrier now whereas you used to before be playing the big teams and it was almost you'd go into expecting to lose you're going into it now and you're not changing who you are and what you're doing there's the belief that well we're playing Chelsea we can still play our way of playing and, mm. and, and get the result and we can play Arsenal and we're not going into it now thinking shit we need to react to them you go in and go they've got to react to us yeah. so maybe it happened quicker maybe they had him in he was in there so that if you needed to play a different way you needed to just sit back and kind of uh, and employ a, a whole different way of playing then, then Sissoko would have would have come into the you haven't there. spent a lot either that's the problem no not just comparative to your rivals like £30 million player to Tottenham is a big deal Yeah, and and I've said recently the, the thing I really think you need to improve on you need to refine your process for buying big players like that because Soldado Lamella it might sound harsh with Lamella kissed a few frogs didn't they yeah he, he's Lamella, been injury prone yeah, a little he's bit injury, he's only kicked on since Pochettino got there Yeah, and and the fact that those three have cost close to £90 million, yeah. but not improved mm. you that that for me would be a concern looking at yeah. I mean I, I I would say Lamella outside of injury ha, has improved us. Yeah. I understand that over his career he's been kind of it's at Tottenham peaks he's been and troughs, yeah. very much and look probably more troughs than peaks. Getting back to Newcastle, so mm-hmm. with Rafa, it's a couple of things, a couple of trends that have that seem to have been happening. One is that and someone's telling me that Neville had wrote about this the other day, that there's you know, you look at Huddersfield, you look at a lot of these northern clubs there's not the catchment area. There's not the um, uh, there's not the business. There's not the, the the money around the areas that really allow them to, um, a, mm-hmm. a club to grow like you get in the south. You can see Brighton, for example, uh, getting promoted like Bournemouth did and being able to attract you know cash 
uh, sponsorship mm. players because of geographically where they are and there's been a trend away from these industrial towns that used to dominate kind of football to kind of more around your capital cities and mm. and your good climates etc so it's kind of challenge so that's one of the trends that seems to be kind of going on uh Another one of the trends that seems to be happening from what I can see in football, you don't get that many managers now that are, uh, in fact, even players where they stay at the same place for a long period of time. Yeah. You don't get these projects that are built. Everyone's uh, gone very, very short term. Um, so when Newcastle, given the geography of the situation, it's challenging to build a team that's going to win honours from that far north, I think, because yeah. some players are going to look, well, I can be in London and be around all this, or I can be in Newcastle and, you be know, what? be around what, you know, just a good night out and Geordie Shaw or something, that's pretty much it. Isn't it? <laughs> um, it's just jo- a long way. J- joking, of course. But there's a... But for Newcastle to sit there and have a manager that's saying, I want to build something, mm. and a manager that's of that pedigree, that he's known and respected, mm-hmm. he's won everything, to have that, it's an amazing situation. And I, I, I mean, I really hope that Newcastle go on and actually build a dynasty because we've always, for years and years and years, we've known the support there is fucking incredible. Yeah. You know, that stadium is always full. That whenever, wherever they go away from home, they're always going numbers. Mm. Great support. And 
you actually be, build a mm. dynasty that's going to be competing continuously at the top of that league. Is that possible? It is. The geography is a hard point. Mm. It, the best way I can explain it is Newcastle fans, some will poke fun at Sunderland fans because one has an airport and the other doesn't. I mean, strictly speaking, it's in Pontyland, so it's not Newcastle's airport, but it's called <laughs> Newcastle Airport. That highlights the problem a little bit. Roy Keane talked about it many years ago, that you've got to pay a little bit of a tax to get guys up here. Yeah. Or up there, I should say. Because families, wives, however, you know, if you want to think it's a valid reason or not, not all families want to move up north into the, the, the... Look at the fact that Pye came to West Ham. One of the main reasons, bar the money, was the fact he got to live in London. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't live here, but I can accept. It's a imagine if I'm well off. It's a wonderful place to live. Yeah, if if I'm on a hundred hundred and twenty well, grand a week, it's great. London's one of the best cities in the world. It's got everything you know on your doorstep. There's all kinds of cultures here. You can get yeah. amazing cuisine from everything. Any shows here, and also it's a gateway. London, you can. There's a few different airports, and you can fly to anywhere. Exactly. So you can you know within a eight hours you're in Dubai. You've you know you don't. It's an amazing place to live. So yeah, for any rich, affluent family that's bringing over some kids, your missus and stuff like that, they're gonna have a. You're gonna get that pressure, aren't you? When it comes to where I'm gonna live, then you know, where yeah. you can, we can live up here, or we can live. They're gonna be like, move to fucking London, sign for Bournemouth. You know, that's what you're gonna get. Sign for Bournemouth. I want to be on the coast. When Jermaine Defoe thought that Toronto was in America, yeah, <laughs> he dropped down. He's like, it's good to be in America. Like, Whoa, <laughs> I, I felt sorry for the police. If we don't tell him. You'll never work it out. Because he was in the American <laughs> League. Yeah. There's, a, there's a story like that with Rob Lee. Um, I don't know how well you know Northeast geography. Middlesbrough is closer to London than Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Keegan convinced Rob Lee that Newcastle was closer to London than Middlesbrough. <laughs> in, At no point did he think to get a map out and go, hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> well, you would. You'd take the word for it. I love the, uh, the Venkis one as well. Because Ven- didn't the Venkis buy Blackburn and they didn't know that you could get relegated out of the Premier League? Yes. I love that one. They also filmed a really bizarre chicken advert with yeah, the team. David yeah. Dunn and Ryan Nelson. I do, I remember. How did you, what did you, just quickly, what, when you sent that text message to Matt after you played in the first, second yeah. game, what happened? So you, we chatted, didn't we? Because we yeah. were, I think I was like, right. Did you pump Newcastle? We, we did. We, we were literally <laughs> Adam we, on the run. He, I remember we were chatting and I think you were like, oh, I'd be, I'd be pleased if we get a draw here. Of course. And I was watching them and I thought, oh, they're really organised. They're not, they're not just, I've seen teams sit deep, yeah. but they were actually, and constantly Wagner was giving them instructions, do this, go here. And they played really well and they were a good counter-attacking team. And I said, I could see them getting the playoffs if they hit the potential. Yeah. Was that a big shout at the time? It was, yeah. They just avoided relegation the previous season. Yeah, it was the second game. Yeah, he yeah. was the first person to say it because I hadn't even seen him play yet because it was the second game of the season. Yeah. And Kristen was like, um, yeah, I think you guys you guys could sneak into the playoffs. I was like, sure. Yeah, we... so if any, any of you out there thinking, yeah. who's this guy? <laughs> he he saw that, yeah. That was he's the first person that said it. And he was like, you're going to love Aaron Moy. And yeah, he's, he's my favourite ever. He's like a more disciplined John Joe Shelby. Go on, yeah. what's going to happen to Taunton next year? <laughs> I'd have to see who you sign first because that's the thing you've got the money you've got a nice new stadium exciting, it? it just depends who you bring in because well who, who should we bring in and you, you'd love to baller I know that oh mate it's brilliant isn't it wouldn't, who wouldn't love him like you, you say is Jenny will stay there for, forever not forever but for a long time um, yeah. because I think it just works for him and where did he come from Dybala uh, Palermo where so, oh, so he he came up from he, he lives in uh, in Italy. 
he's Argentine Argentinian. Yeah. Was it Institute? I think it was Institute or somewhere like that. In the, it's like in the second tier, it was a really good pickup by Palermo to to sign him. I think third parties owned him or something in, like that. In Argentina. Yeah. So he went over to Palermo. Yeah, I think he. If I remember right, he had he had a chance at Polish citizenship, which made the move like logistically easier through red tape and stuff. Polish citizenship, yeah. right? He couldn't get that. I think he got Italian citizenship instead. Moved to Palermo, and the the owner Zamperini, who is crazy, yeah, like just I, I know. Dry, he he will he used to. I don't think he does it now. <clears throat> when he was stressed and Palermo were playing, he would drive around the city in a taxi, just smoking. <laughs> is this the guy's full of tattoos? What no, that's it? the guy who's taken over. That's that's <laughs> Palermo the, the is American a mental team. Yeah. He's a, I love him. Um, I love him. They they signed him, and Zamperini said, "I think he's you know the next Messi." And everyone was like, <laughs> mm. "Oh, someone's <laughs> been drinking de-icer again." Yeah. Um, but actually, <laughs> I mean, I mean me- Messi stylistically is a bad comparison, but I think of of you know he's certainly a, a great player. He's more he's more. Mm. A, it's more like a less refined, actually, no more. A more refined Tevez is how I see yeah. him recently. Yeah, it's just a, yeah. I, I love him. I love how much two hundred million. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to pay. <laughs> I'm ready to go. See why you pay thirty for Sissoko now. Two hundred mil. Get him in Tottenham. What? Um, Sorry, we can't not ask you about the the last ever game at White Hart Lane. Can't talk about it. Why not? So sad. Bittersweet. So I sad. I you know what? I will tell you about it, but I was sitting there the whole time and I didn't. I was kind of waiting for the tears and then it was over. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Everyone around me is just like into floods of tears. Well, people are just crying. There were a lot, a, lot, a lot of upset people. And, and, and having talked, spoke to people, you realise that it's not just to cry over football. You know, it takes something, something extreme happening. Generally, you're getting pumped. Uh, one of your rivals is a bit of reason for crying and you have to be a child generally speaking of which James did you cry when uh, when you played did did you cry when Newcastle pumped you 6-1 at, at, earlier in the season was it 6-1 or 6-0 I don't think they yeah. got a 1 if I'm honest is it 6-0 uh, six, yeah 6-0 um, <laughs> uh, it was November so I was able to cope with it yeah. it was difficult okay. got a draw at St James's though so swings and roundabouts yes we did yeah. okay Cool, sorry mate, you were saying. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, it was just, it, it was an amazing, amazing day. It was the best experience I've ever had going to football. It meant more than the game itself. Um, the, the stadium, everybody looks at their stadium with fondness generally, unless they've got some sort of identical stadium like the Emirates. Um, every, <laughs> every, everyone, everyone looks at their stadium and it's home to them. Yeah. And everyone else's is just a place where you have to try and get a result. But to your own football club, that's... That's your home. That's where you play, and that's where you worship your t- your side. And and you just kind of look across, and um, all of the things that I've done there, the, going with my family. You know, Spurs. It's the passing of time that makes it sad a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, and and every 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 area of the pitch, I was I remember some you know celebrating with my family, it, being with my dad. It's and like it's like moving out of a house that you grew up with your family in. I guess into isn't a bigger it? one, and you kind of that makes it logical. It's yeah. logical. Everybody the wants memories, that, yeah. but it is. It's gone. They've gone. Everything that we know about Tottenham in historically and and where all that memory was made, um, all those memories were made, is now just erased to videos on YouTube um, and, and in our heads, which isn't enough. It's not. Yeah. That isn't enough. You know. So you do. You forget. You're leaving all that behind. And, and I, I, um, I, I was de- deeply sad walking away, thinking um, it's done. 
Yeah. And now we have to do this again in a new, brand new stadium. And I wonder if football, the soul in football, is so different from when it was when I, when I was younger. I don't know if it will be possible. Yeah. To, to feel the same. To feel way. that magical way for the young, for it, young kids going, it will be for them. Is that because yeah. you've bridged two two time periods though? I don't make it sound like you're Doctor Who, but you know what I mean. In terms so, of, so you you were sports. we grew up in an era where you know you you there was a decent chance you might see the Star Striker in a pub, that kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas now you're going to have to pay an extortion amount to get in the same nightclub as you're. So it's a it's a different <laughs> it's a different experience. Yeah. And the the feeling of loss that you have is because you're not getting that experience back. Yeah, I think. Maybe. I, I think the game is better in so many facets now, but having a connection with your football club is definitely worse. Um, you fight to love your, you love your club against everything, against ticket prices, against the insipid atmosphere in grounds, against fans that are obsessed with success rather than what's beautiful about your football club. So you're fighting against all that, that to, kind of, to hold on to something that you love about your club. Um, I think it's just my age and cynicism mm. about the game, really, to be honest. I think the kid who's eight walking into the new White Lane for the first time, they're, they're going to be blown away in a way yeah. that I never was. The, the, uh, but you must have, though, in the first time you went to White Lane. Yeah, but uh, imagine going into that stadium, how big it is when you're eight. Like, it was amazing mm. going into White Lane when I was a kid, but the stadium was relatively small. Yeah. Imagine it twice as big with lights and... You know that, that single tier stand. Mm. They do. They do say that. My head would have exploded as an eighteen-year-old. The first walk up the steps, like when the first time you see a pitch, you, you never forget. It's it. an incredible feeling. Mm. It, even to this day, when I walk out into in, in, what out lane. Well, so, so we. So, so I've had that in that we've changed. We moved grounds. Yeah. And um, I didn't see because your game was on the radio. I was coming back from the uh, the Huddersfield game at the weekend. I went to the the chef. Chef Wednesday playoff match. Yeah. So I've not seen any of the, but but just as you were talking about it, then I was remembering our move from Leeds Road to to the Alfred McAlpine Stadium, as it was called, and I remember the, um, it was because again, so this when was that have been? It's been like 1995 or something. So still a little bit old football if you think it's like 20 years ago or whatever now. Yeah. And I remember the what was amazing about that was in the uh, the last 10 minutes of the game the whole of the crowd had started to get over the barriers and onto the pitch. So at first it started like a ring around, a human ring like around the touchline. Yeah. But as more people were getting on, it was inching forward. Yeah. So you couldn't even see the touchline anymore because it was humans that had become the, the touchline. That was amazing. And everyone went on the pitch and stuff like that. But people were literally just grabbing yeah. whatever they could. So you, on the way out, you were then seeing people walking, like holding a toilet seat. On Sunday, it was like that. the last days of Gomorrah. It totally was. Yeah, it was seriously. <laughs> people would just take, like, put, take it in. And the stewards would look at them and say, is that is this allowed? We, can we misbehave like this? Because you, you, you get told off for doing anything. Yeah. And there was people just smoking, walking around, smoking fags, drinking beer, taking beer into the thing, and it's like and it that was, was just a circle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but everybody, oh, that, what you mentioned about going on the pitch, it was an amazing did they, thing. Did that, that happen? Yeah. Mate, you should see the images. They're, oh, they're no. incredible. The pitch you couldn't see grass with people nice. on it, and I'm stuck in the fucking top tier. But the, you looked at it. I looked at that. And I thought, so I thought that is incredible. Um, and then the the, the tunnel guy on the tunnel came over and went, "Can everybody please get off the pitch?" And everyone's like laughing. It's like, "Yeah, all right." But what so for me that was that was ours. Our, that was that was the supporters' right. Yeah, this is our stadium. I know it's owned by someone else. Yeah. I know Tottenham's owned by Enoch and Daniel Levy, but it's our club. Yeah, and without us, it, that none of that means anything. 
And that was the way we were going to say goodbye. It wasn't in the plan. It wasn't what yeah. the club wanted to happen. But that was Spurs fans. I think they kind of have to probably team. say that, though. I'm sure I'm that sure. Because they can't sit and go, yeah, everyone on the pitch, because that's probably breaches certain policies or regulations where if anything Definitely. happened, then Definitely. they'd be gullible. They'd be culpable if they... Yeah, 100%. So, so there's probably some of them things I appreciate that. I appreciate that completely. Football's a bit funny like that, isn't it? It's a massive investment on your part, but you don't really get anything tangible in return. No, just the no, hope that you, you win. don't. You pay <laughs> for it. Football fans pay for everything, but we get no say, we get taken for granted. Like, is, like any other hobby or passion, if you put that much money in, say, archery or something, yeah. you would get something tangible in return. You would develop a skill or something. Football, <laughs> yeah. you put money, time, effort. And often, all it gives you is sadness. And it, it, you don't get any true. real say. <laughs> That's the weirdest thing. Yeah. And it's they know really... that it got you by the balls. They know you're not going anywhere. But, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. Flav, just to give you hope, uh, yep. that now feels like home yeah. for me and, and, and for everyone there. Yeah. So it kind of can actually happen, you know. And, and it like, needs memories. Yeah. That's the thing. Of course. Yeah. It's not home until there's memories. I guess I'm still kind of, I'm not over whirling being gone. Of course you're not. Yeah, because yeah, you grew time. up with it though. Huh? You grew up with it. Yeah, yeah. You talk about all the moments you saw on the pitch, that that is the emotional attachment right yeah. there and yeah there's that but also just the time with your family and, and you know White Lane's special but it's like it's my the place where my family and my my old man we get together and, and, and we bond I yeah guess. the only thing I found a bit annoying about the whole thing if I'm honest with you because listening to it in the there were then I forget what game was on next but there was something that was on the radio it might have been just 6 or 6 mm. which was horrible even Chris Sutton he's so annoying but, um, <laughs> that's his job he's so annoying um, but, but so that was on in the car and they kept going alright let's go to White Hart Lane now what's happening now and they're like yeah well they're playing a video they're playing a video and, and, and I think Glenn Oddle's here and so on, so on and it was just like fucking hell the amount of teams that move grounds I've never heard them like when we left yeah. Leeds Road I'm sure they weren't going over there every five minutes to see if, if Mick from Brighouse had got a toilet seat but it just sounded like they were hamming up the, they were overdoing it no really and I th- I'm thinking is that just because they're in the top four? Oh, you mean the radio yeah sorry like, like, it would have been really hard to because not much really did happen the ceremony was really pulled back it was it was, there was no razzmatazz at all that we, I was a little bit worried because the geezer drove drove a Land Rover on and it's like, this this big trailer on the back and I was like what is going on please don't Adele pop out of that Adele. and then start singing or something like that I was really worried about it being that really, Emily Sander yeah that. just start singing Hometown Glory or something from, I just <laughs> I, 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 I sing hello oh yeah can you know what I mean and then what, what actually it was literally we just wheeled out some of the greatest players that we've ever had they were in the Land Rover no they weren't they, they oh. came out the Land Rover was just a screen so that you thankfully just a screen so that they okay. some, everyone could see what was going yeah. on and um, they uh, they wheeled them out. There was a little sing song. They fired um, um, ticker tape into the air because Spurs have a history of Spurs fans throwing ticker tape in the air. Mm. And then that's gone from your Argentinian because yeah. that was an Argentinian thing, that's wasn't exactly, it? And the 1978 World Cup was the yeah. was it that one that was a ticker yes. tape World yeah, Cup? Was, yeah. yeah. So that's probably a bit of it. Yeah. Um, and it was just a, a massively dignified and, and, and the correct way to do things as opposed to what West Ham did and that's what everyone was scared of mm. you know anyway we've talked loads about Spurs and um, we've got some questions how long have we been going Jim? 55 minutes right good so we'll do run through these questions and then we'll be done uh, what is your opinion uh, this is from David J Douglas what is your opinion of the condenso I, I put this in because I don't know what this what it is what, what, what it is means what is the opinion of the condenso right so explain to me what this Makes means. Makes a great cup of coffee, I know that. <laughs> what is your opinion of the condensers that small teams like Bournemouth and Watford dilute the Prem and the giants like Leeds Forest should be instant? 
Is it a consensus that's spell checked wrong? I don't what, know. What's the, of the, oh, yeah, that's the a good shout. Is a, it? I think it might be that. Right, a, I thought apologies consensus David. was a type of footballer that I hadn't heard of. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like Volante or some kind of mad. Like you know when people false, tweet like, yeah. like, what was that tweet? Orzel is the highest interior, but they need a box-to-box Volante. Yeah. I, I spoke to that lad. He's a very nice lad, but I even I didn't understand that. No, it was a genuine, genuine what's the What's the real question now, then? So now, what's now your opinion know. on the consensus that small teams like Bournemouth and Watford don't need the Prem and that giants like Leeds, Forest, etc. should be there instead? That's an interesting question. You're there on merit, though. Yes. I, th- I think that's the question. I don't think there should be any merit. You... I don't think Bournemouth do have a place in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you could look You could look through a, a lens and say, in a utopian world, it would be Forest and Leeds and all the... But you have to remember, at some point, Leeds and Forest were historically the same uh, standard as, as Bournemouth are now. You've got to give people a chance to make history. Mm. That's... Yeah. You could and, close and also, Leeds well, and it wouldn't do anything. And also, if you live by that rule now... Then in 1950, and then to live by that same rule, then some of the clubs that are now enjoying being top of the league wouldn't have, have come to bear. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like at what point do you say this is the appropriate lineup? So it, it's bullshit. I, I, I hate that kind of stuff, you know. And, like, and who like, like the society's relevant as well, you know? Yeah. Is, is, is Leeds more relevant than Bournemouth because Ellen Road's bigger than, than the Vitality? But there's that? a bunch of these clubs in the Championship now that, like Chef Wednesday, we're playing, they're giving mm. it. Because of the size of our crowd, because of our uh, our history, not that I'm sure I've actually got that good a fucking history. Everyone but but, but they think that they should be in the top flight. Leeds think they should be in the top flight. Villa think they should be in the top flight. You know, Kristen said it's it's you're there on merit. Yeah. And actually, I quite like it when some of these clubs go up and and upset the apple yeah. cart. And you know what? I think that because of this trend about about football getting more southern because of money and stuff like that, I think that Brighton. I think that Bournemouth as well are probably going to go on to stay up there for a while and who mm. knows could with a with a bit of clever management and a bit of kind of uh, forward thinking might actually be able to create a sustained assault on that mm. top sort of seven how long how long till QPR get up I mean QPR's a small they used to have a plastic pitch yeah they did QPR used to have a pla- how pony is that yeah, really, I feel like really. they've got so much potential though and I'm not just saying that because he's off camera I really do <laughs> I look at no, them we, we, and I look at them in London and I think you've got such a kind of I know a few years ago James will correct me if I'm wrong here they tried to pitch themselves as a boutique club yeah. and they were like oh we can what charge more and, right. and like you know we'll, we'll charge you more because we're Queen's Park Rangers and, and tourists will like that because it's got Queen in and all this right. kind of daft stuff yeah. I do think when you look at the name and the iconography of the club and I just think there's a lot of potential there mm. I did also watch is it, is it four year plan the documentary five year plan, five year plan or four year plan yeah, great uh, doc. I always get this wrong but I think it's five I think it might be five mm. I, don't, I, I, know, I, I did I don't know why I just watched it and was five, like I love this club it's fascinating it's a, it just looks like a beautiful three club three or five like a big old country four, house that's got some floorboards missing <laughs> What? Like a big old country house that's got some floorboards. Yeah. That's how I look at QPR. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean they've got to change their manager in there, don't you? Ian Holloway's the one. It's difficult because emotion... If I'm making the decision as the owner of QPR, yeah. probably, yeah. You but if I'm, rid of him. But if I'm a fan, it's so much more difficult because you know he cares. And and sometimes, sometimes... I know he's probably... Bless him, he's dying inside at the minute me saying this, but sometimes it is more important to have someone that cares... Not if you want to achieve your potential. Is that fair, James? I can understand that point. Yeah. I, I, I think he's a um, better manager than people give credit. If you take away the character. And all the yes. Despite players coming in and saying he doesn't know what's going on. One player. 
<laughs> All right, we'll move on. Uh, Jim Axon on uh, on Twitter, he says, ask Flav about why Art Lane hopes for next season. Okay, we've kind of done that. So, uh, Lovren is wank. <laughs> on Twitter, he what says... What was your first game at White Hart Lane, if you don't mind asking? First game was Bournemouth, 1985. Bournemouth versus Spurs. We won 3-2. And I fell asleep. Oh. I was four. Oh, well, I wrote an article about that actually. I'll send it to you if you want to read. What? Any favourite goals that stand out as well? Ooh. I always like to ask that. Yeah, I. My favourite goal. One that I. There's so many, but I think Genis Jermaine Genius's first goal against Arsenal in the five-one win. He scored uh, in the first minute. Um, okay. Um, he kind of carried the ball and hit it across, and it went off the post. But or maybe the second goal in that the own goal by uh, Bentner. Huh, yeah. Um, Oh, man, I don't know. Too, too many, too many. Uh, Kingsman's over a kick. That was pretty good. Um, yeah. So, uh, Lovren is wank. He says, oh, Ch- Lovren isn't wank, though, is he? He's quite good. He's all right. I wouldn't pay 20 million for him. No. Are Chelsea going to continue their dominance next season or will teams adapt, do you think? That's a very good question. Conte is very pragmatic and I think if you look at the Premier League this season the coaches that are married to their ideology have struggled like Pep Mourinho, uh, Pep Mourinho yeah. for example Conte we did a documentary me, Lawrence and uh, a lad called Glenn and and there's a, a saying kind of in Italy it doesn't translate so well that a coach is like a tailor in, in the sense that he has to make things fit the players rather than the other way around Yeah. and Conte said that once that he, he basically messed up Juventus' pre-season a little bit and said, from now on, I'll pick the best clothes for the players, meaning the formation. And so for that reason, I think he will be working on something now to adapt next season. And as we were talking, I think, before we went live, they've got uh, four or five young players, I think, could fill out that squad and give them something a little bit different. Yeah. Because the, the thing is with young players, if you you know when you get like a cup tie and you bring loads in, I, I don't think that's always the greatest way to do it. I know Arsenal did it a lot, like cliche era. If you can put one in, then it lets them see the standard and it, you see how they handle. Whereas if you put four or five, it's four or five youth team guys playing together. That's that's interesting. You know, because there there's rumours um, that Walker was uh, leaving Tottenham for mm. the Man City. He definitely is. Uh, he, you saw him t- grabbing a piece of grass from the thing, you know, that... Oh, that's they, nice. Yeah. I mean, that is nice. He played 10 years there, but he's definitely going to Walker. But Spurs, apparently, they really rate Carl Walker-Peters, the right young right-back we've got. Okay. Um, and I wonder it takes quite a bold manager to do that in, in terms of sell what is probably the premium wing back in the country in Carl mm-hmm. Walker yeah, that's true. and replace him for, with a guy who's not played any Premier League football at all or at least as an understudy to Trippier so it'll be interesting if Conte does do that when I guess the desire would be but for most managers would be mm-hmm. I've got 100 million why wouldn't I spend mm. this I mean that's the thing with, with their I know their lone army gets a lot of criticism because it's it's seen as hoarding players and like you know fifty eight we've players. criticised it yeah, yeah it's like disingenuous to the league almost don't feel league. right though it's more about that it's it enables them to create a lot it's like being able to buy loads and loads and loads of houses and just rent them out then to to other people mm. like value. if there was an amount of players that you could own then it'd allow other people to actually own the rights to those players yeah so it actually inflates. The value and the premiumness, but it it enables them to kind of own it. I feel like Palmer did that just before they went bust. They had like 150 players on their books. Palmer did like first team players, not like youth right. players. But but the reason I bring that up is <clears throat> I spoke to uh, a Chelsea fan called Jay Cohn, who's also a sports lawyer, very intelligent guy, 
And he said that if you look at it, the way Chelsea do it, and it's better to quantify transfers in amortization. I think I'm saying that right. Amortization. I'll go with that. Yes. Financial terms. Uh, yeah, in financial terms, yeah. it's actually a much better way to to squad build because for every player that you sign for one two million that doesn't work, you get a Lukaku or say a De Bruyne who you buy for like fifteen and sell for you know a, a ridiculous 15, yeah. amount. So often those big sales will cover the losses of the rest. Yeah. And so, actually, it's it's probably the best way to, to do your business. It's a lot. A lot of people when they're making investments, they might make say ten investments at hundred grand that kind of level, because they know that they only like two out of ten might come off, yeah. and those two out of ten would cover the the exposure for all ten essentially, mm. and then some. Uh, so Spurs have a uh, have this process that they have to make or, or kind of rule that they have to make four hundred thousand pound mm. on each academy graduate that signs pro forms, right. Um, which sounds like a lot because you think a lot of people are released, a lot of players, but then you you get you know one uh, Bentaleb will, will cover. Yeah, you know it looks like they're gonna have to pay eighteen million or something. Which is a lot, but he's a good player. I like him. I, I like him a lot. I yeah. would take him in Newcastle. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, the the thing is though, you've got a very good reputation now as a as a youth pro- producer. So if you look at let's say Man United for example, it's probably not hard for them to sell a reserve player for four hundred thousand. Yeah. And then if you put because I know Daniel Levy's very uh, smart when it comes to business decisions and things, if you then put ten percent of future sale or an extra hundred thousand when he makes a debut or so, those kind of incentives, it keeps the the lower league club that potentially buys them interested because it's still financially prudent for them. Mm. But it means that theoretically you're going to make more than the four hundred needed. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and finally, we've got top fives. Uh, top five time. I didn't. I didn't write any down. I was just looking at the um, the comments from last week. Actually, yeah, uh, interesting one because we seem to upset a few Chelsea fans. Well, I, most uh, fans don't like being called like plastic or bad fans. Yeah, so um, but, that's probably why they got upset. But what I do just like is that um, because a few persons have gone, we'd be getting called C U N T S. What and then someone I just realised <laughs> yeah, I don't know it means they don't like you yeah. uh, and then I just got but one of them who I think criticised us for that then said I would like to apologise to Matt for my comments earlier in the week oh. it was only Flav who I strongly disagreed with <laughs> <laughs> what Matt said was spot on um, so I love that is he a Chelsea fan? Uh, what yeah. are they worried about? The Why I'm just weird like that though just, isn't just, it? The, just some cases we do, our opinion doesn't matter we're not influencing yeah. anybody I, I know I'm, we're also people, not saying these are facts we're actually just having a chat <laughs> yeah look people, people, people get, think people much worse of Chelsea than us having a go at people for leaving early yeah. YouTube in general the comments section can be a really mean place though because yeah. it, it's the anonymity all over it's the anonymity yeah. Yeah. you don't yeah. have to put your face there you don't have to put your name so you can say Whatever I'm you sure want. you'll probably get some on this one well, oh, well, why well, does he look like a fat Elon Musk <laughs> someone asked I, someone, someone did ask true, if, if, if you and James get your uh, got your hair cut together <laughs> it's made me laugh no a bit. But, but you know the funny thing is as well on the, on the flip side of that it can be such a beautiful place because we on the front three we had a guy DM us recently say look I've, I'm suffering depression on off the podcast really help me kind of just stay calm and things like that and give a bit of perspective yeah and stuff like that is is really nice that people can can connect to that stuff because yeah depression is there's not even words for it right now in the english language for what it really is yeah i mean if aaron lennon's taught us anything it's that look 
money is no it is no band aid for for mental health issues. Mm, no. If anything, it can exacerbate them. We had a, I had a young man come up to me um, uh, at Tottenham. Mm. He's probably watching this actually. He, he likes Paul Street, and he said, you know, he talked about him. He was kind of having suicidal thoughts, and he um, spoke to Calm. And he found our podcast through Calm because we, we we support them on the Fighting Cock. Oh, that's nice. Um, and he said, like, you know, you don't you don't know what the podcast has done and what it means to me. And it was like, we actually don't know. You know, it was an incredible thing to hear him say. Um, yeah, it is, depression is a terrible, terrible thing. Football can be escapism though, as well. That, of course. That's the other thing. Like, yeah. my my mum passed in 2009, the next day I played football. Because for like an hour, an hour and a half... I just didn't have to think about it. Mm. And then, realistically, when I look back, that's probably why I dive into football so much. Because you're not thinking about it. If yeah. you're running around trying to tackle someone past, yeah. you're not thinking about anything that's bothering you at that yeah. point. And, and for me, when people say, why do you love football? It's partly because it's opened so many doors. Like, it, you know, at the, at the minute, I'm very lucky that I get to travel a lot, I get to come see you guys, that kind of thing. But then also, there's a good part of it that is, it's... I was talking to someone recently about this. There's a, a girl in Canada doing a book on football and how it's shaped mental health. And the way I explained to her is I have a love-hate relationship with football in some ways because sometimes it can make you feel really terrible. Not necessarily the results, but when you work in it, it can make you feel very self-conscious. Like like YouTube comments, for example, they can say mm. how big are that guy's ears? And you think, Jesus, mm. they are. I could fly Don't with these things. Um, and it can do that. <laughs> And then also, it can make you feel euphoric. Like, last Sunday when, when the Newcastle won the league, I bumped into Rafa Benitez afterwards because he was just walking around the stadium. Does he recognise you? No, not in the slightest. But I had a two-minute chat with him that was better than any question right. I'd thrown at him that entire year. And it's, it is... There's a, a, a... I think it's a allegory, maybe? In Native American culture that says you can control the way you feel there's a wolf that has hate, anger, all the negative emotions, and there's a, hate, uh, a wolf that has love, compassion, empathy. You decide which one you feed. Mm. Yeah. And for me, that's football. That's, yeah. It's a decision on which one I choose to feed. And that's why sometimes, yeah. like I said, the depression gets a lot and it gets very heavy. Yeah. There are other times where you, you skip to work and you skip back and you're yeah. like, I just spoke to Rafferty. You get home and you say, Dad, literally had a conversation with him. Yeah. He'll never probably remember it. He'll probably think, yeah, there was a weird northern guy that spoke a little bit of Spanish that was patchy. But for me, I'll be like, ah, spoke for me My daughter's got Native American blood, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, that's right. It's, cool, it? it's a fascinating culture. Mm. Re- it was really done over by uh, American cinema in the 50s. Painted mm. them as the, the yeah, bad guys. guys. Not even, even the, um, what do you call it, the scalping. That wasn't a Native American thing. No. That was a thing that... The Americans did, or Americans is probably the wrong word. And they're the, still doing this, the, this, this yeah. way of demonising people around the world. That's what their foreign policy the, is built on. That's where they, <laughs> they learned it then. The Americans did that to prove that they had killed a Native American to collect the reward. Yeah, wow. So it's the, you watch a film and you think, oh, it's the Native Americans that scalped. No, it was the, the settlers that came there. Bloody buggers. Yeah. They also give them smallpox. Did they? Oh, I didn't know Killed that. them all. So, uh, top five, I can't find the comment now, but mm. one of the suggestions, I can't find his name to check him, Yeah. but it was top five uh, porn genres. Oh, okay, Chris. <laughs> Can I just cite feminist from one to five? Or is that going to get me... <laughs> is that going to get me... No. Sincerely that, that vitriolic comments? The, safe, the safest way to do it. <laughs> I well, did watch a documentary about that on Netflix recently about... I th- 
think she might be a Swedish director, her name escapes me, who is trying to make pornography that is more... Feminist is definitely the wrong word here. More about a connection and love and not a man aggressively having sex with a woman. <laughs> it's... I don't know why that was so funny. <laughs> uh, you're right, it shouldn't yeah. be, and it's very much about the objectification of women and something that I definitely be, be, am against. But that's, be, that happens in football too, though. It's, it's bizarre to me. <laughs> Kate Abdo, you know the, the Sky Sports presenter? I watched an yeah, interview right. with her recently and she said, I think women have to work twice as hard to get a gig or something like that. And I'm inclined to agree with her. Because yeah. the amount of times I've I've seen that happen, it's utterly bizarre. Some of the the biggest poop talkers, shall we say, in our industry are blokes. Mm. And some yeah. of the most insightful people I've ever watched are women. There's this weird, I don't know, it's, it's a... I think our whole industry right now is at, a, is at a very funny point right now. And what I mean by that is it's changing at a rate, I think, unlike ever before. Mm. So, for example, this entire, velocity. this entire Ball Street network and all that kind of stuff, it's being run by people. You, you were a journalist, I think? before yeah or you studied journalism am I right saying that yeah that's right so you studied journalism you've got a media background as well but there are a lot of people that don't have media backgrounds yeah that have just picked up a camera and said this is what I want to do this is Mm, the essence of my passion the difficulty with that I think in part though is you've got to then try and self-govern yourself and try and know who to trust and and all that Mm. and on the flip side you've got the traditional media who then say I, I don't know if I like this. This this feels, you know, we're, we're the big dogs in this yard. Yeah, definitely. I definitely think that's that's a real um, uh, a real thing. Um, but they can't. It's almost like you can't stop it now. Oh yeah, hundred percent. The, um, the dogs out the cage. Yeah, definitely. But then the, then equally, I think in wider culture, there's this. There's, I don't know if it's a hangover from Trump or whatever. But you look at people and they say, "Look, I've got an opinion, and you've got to listen to my opinion." And it's like, yes, that's completely right. Freedom of speech is paramount. You are entitled to your opinion. But you are also entitled to have your opinion evaluated by a third party. Mm. So you could say, I think Harry Kane is the best striker in England. Yeah. And you could say, actually, it's Casey Palmer. Mm. You, you're both entitled to said opinion. Mm. And no one is stopped. That's the problem. People, a lot of people who have their opinion evaluated or criticised think that they're having their opinion shut down and not being given the opportunity to voice that opinion. Yeah. That's the key difference. Everyone has the option to voice it, but it doesn't have to be widely accepted. It can be can be evaluated. Yeah. Put that soapbox back under the chair. You, uh, <laughs> is that from one of the podcasts you've been listening to? Um, <laughs> no, you know you know what it is. I'm I'm uh, my girlfriend at the minute. She's a uh, a lawyer, and she's possibly one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. Mm. And oh, I, well, you just said my girlfriend at the minute, like you're thinking yeah. about dumping it. No, like, just quite. Can't just break it honestly, her, quite the yeah. opposite. Quite Probably the opposite. Just, yeah. I, th- I think um, she's gorgeous, actually. Bless him. Matt, Matt knew me. Yeah, Matt knew me when I had my last girlfriend as well, and I was, to be honest, I wasn't very happy. But this one, I'm mm. the, the antithesis. I genuinely think she is. Uh, she is the one. Oh. With with that said, I, my one's. I feel my land's the one as well. I know it's a, it's a wonderful um, sure. feeling. <laughs> Yeah, but but the the point is she has I would say in a lot of ways given me freedom to express myself but then also made me think of the world in a much because you know what I was like when I came down here I was so focused on football the rest of the world was just going around I could tell you who Accrington's right back was 
but I probably couldn't tell you just normal pop culture stuff because mm. I was so invested in that. Yeah. And it's only now you move back and you start to, and you realise how things influence other things, like the two walls, for example. It's, yeah, life's funny like that. Well, I actually learned a lot from How that. old are you now? 28. 28. Still a young man. Still a young man. But I must admit, I did learn a lot from you, living with him for, for six weeks. Oh, that's very kind. Can I come live with you? You, you can. For six weeks? You can, but... You've got a spare room, you said? Mm. Great. When? <laughs> You're still living with your dad, though, aren't you? Yeah, I'm back with my dad. He probably won't like that. No, no, what, he'd be alright, be fine. It's not bad. I live with my dad. It's alright. Yeah, it's fine. Scrappy, well, Scrappy's fine. very, very fond of... They had a good bond with Scrappy, yeah. Just taking for a walk around... Yeah. Was it Wimbledon? No, that's too far. Wimbledon fun. Park, yeah. Yeah, <sighs> All right, probably shouldn't that now. Um, but, 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 <laughs> I was wondering how you're going to get back to top five porn genres. Yeah, oh. we're not. We're not going to do it now. We're going to yeah, yeah, say sorry, guys. What do you think that we are? Currently into BBW. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> this is the Long Wall Street podcast. We'll see you at the far part. Thanks for coming along, mate. By yeah, the way, because you're going enough. to America now, aren't you? Yes. To live uh, today. Uh, not today to live full time, but I'll fly over there tonight. Right. Uh, yeah, later tonight. Well, safe flight. Thank you for coming. Good to see you. Stay in touch, Kristen. Always, always loved and welcome mm. uh, at Ball Street. It's yeah. hard, isn't it? Mm. From where it started to where it is now. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a, just going back to what you were saying about it being complete professionalising. You know, it's, um, it is in transition. And we are, we think sometimes we're like, what, it's 5% complete. Um, but you can't because you you don't have money you don't have infrastructure everything's moving so quickly it's very difficult to do what you want to do but um, certainly I think as you know from knowing me and Stu there's a uh, a social conscience to what we're doing we're not just we're we're not in this just to try and make short term books Um, and but we do also believe that there's a um, a power of, of everyone kind of working together and it's difficult to keep people reminded of that and it's difficult to get people to appraise the world that way but um, we want to we want to help build a rising tide that will lift all boats mm. um, and if we get there I, I certainly think that we will be um, more um, what's the word we'll have a better we'll be able to sleep easier than I would expect traditional media companies will be able to sleep yeah <laughs> Because you know we won't be doing things just for the clicks and just to kind of we want to give back to the game and and, and help be watchful of it because we love the game first rather than love money first. That's why I quite like Ian Hislop. You know, and have I got news for you? Yeah. Because he keeps everyone honest. Mm. Like if you if you I think you said recently something like everyone's got hypocrisy about something. Hypocrisy mm. makes uh, life makes hypocrisy of us all. Yeah. Mm. Hypocrites of us all. But True. then I think that's that's the brilliant thing if you can stand there and go actually yeah. Yeah. Like, I've been guilty of it numerous times. Of course, everybody is. Didn't, I didn't need yeah. that affirmation from you, but... Top five hypocrites. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Chris and Hennig, <laughs> James Alcott. It's better be five to one. Yeah. Right, yeah. let us know your top fives. Uh, subscribe. I'd be curious as to what, what people's top five porn genres are in the comments below. That would be an interesting... What? May I suggest one? Yeah. Top five moments at your respective ground. For you personally. Okay. There you go. I'll think about that. See you at the far post. Lotus potatoes. Because there's probably some 15-year-old that's going to Google random stuff. And then... <laughs> I had no idea I was into weird tentacle stuff. Know that- 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.